We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you're gonna follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, March 14th. We'll be talking a little bit about sports betting today, right? Because that's kind of a kind of adjacent to daily fantasy sports. I know a lot of you guys out there do bet on sports or play the the, the pick 'em, the pick 'em games, the pick 'em stuff, prize picks, underdog stuff like that, right? The props. And uh, and a, a lot a lot of a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of mit, like a lot of people that that believe things that don't actually exist. They don't know how the, how they don't know how the world works. So I'm here to explain that today. Especially seeing you know if you go on Twitter, if you go on if you go on DFS or gambling Twitter or sports betting Twitter, a uh, lot a lot of garbage. A lot of garbage. But you know who's not garbage? You guys. You guys out there aren't garbage. Right, you're giving me those thumbs ups. Right, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, especially if you're new here. Right, hi, new people. How you doing? How about how about the the morning people? Defix here really early. I don't know if he I don't I don't know if he just showed up early just to say morning and then left, but got here early. Wataz, Daniel Hutchings, Nerdy Tanner, Bart Bart B is here. All you guys are here. Kind of a slow slow Tuesday, uh, but of course we're here for some unstructured learning. Right, learning concepts on on how how to be a more profitable or at least a profitable DFS player or sports better or prop picker. You know, using math. These are all math games. We're trying to use math to beat other people or beat other entities to some regard. And uh, and I, I I try not to get into uh, to conversations and fights on on Twitter or whatever. But since uh, since I do do follow. A whole bunch of people. I see other people getting into arguments, and uh, one one of the things, like I, I saw, I saw this, I saw this yesterday, and uh, it was from someone replying to some it was right angle sports or whatever. And now Captain Jack's involved. Jeffrey Benson, who's at Circa, involved. This 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 notion, this notion. Anytime you hear, anytime you hear someone someone proclaim this notion, just you could just practically throw everything else out that they say. Just that and. 
Anything that they say after that is just worthless. Is, you know, books don't move because of individual cappers almost ever. They set the line as well as possible because if they split the money 50-50 like they would on a perfect line, they'd guarantee profit. People who tell you they move lines are fools, okay? This notion, this comes from the notion that that's how sports books make money. Sports books make money by offering a line that gets equal action on both sides. And then because of the spread in between the VIG, they guarantee themselves profit. That that That's what's trotted out. Like that's how lines are made, right? So for instance, if there was a line that's minus 110, right? Which means you bet 100, you bet $110 to win 100. And then the opposite side of the line was plus 100, which means you bet 100 to win 100 right? If they were to get even money on both sides, right? The sports book would make $10 on average per $100, right? Because that's the spread in between. If the, if the underdog wins, right? If they take, they take five bets here and five bets there, they're going to be taking in $550 and then paying out 500, right? So they take $510 bets, for a total of, let's say, $550, right? And the underdog wins, right? And they take in, they have to pay out 500 so they make 50 bucks, right? And that's, let's say, if the favorite wins, they would pay out the $500 that they got from the plus 100 side. Well, that's why you typically see lines have you know, spreads like this. Minus 115 plus 100. Minus 115 plus 105. Minus 120 plus 110 or plus 100. Something like this. Right? So they're betting 120 to win 100. Right? So someone bets 120 bucks. They pay out 100 here. Right? So they get to capture 20 bucks in between. Right? This, This is in theory. In theory. If this line was perfect was perfect. If we went up to the, the 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 sports betting gods, the sports, you know, the sports almanac people, we knew for sure that the proper line on on a game, on anything, on any, a prop or anything was minus 120, right? Or even, let's let's just say it's even minus 150, which is 60% chance. Right? So if that was the proper line, minus minus 150. Right? So the proper line is this. Okay, at the 60% chance, this is a, you're saying this is a 40% chance, right? If they set the exact line like this and they took even money on both sides, they'd make $0, right? Because they pay out $150 in this scenario and they take in $150 in the other scenario. So that's why they'll change it. So it's minus 155 plus 145. Right. So this is this is more like like 62, 63, 47. Like the true odds, the true odds should be this. Right. So let's put let's put it back. If we knew if we knew for sure, for absolute certainty, that the line should be minus 150, plus 150. If we knew for sure, for sure. 
what they would do is set the line at minus 155 and plus 145. So no one is getting, neither, neither side is getting a plus EV payout. Okay. What should be 60% payout, they're getting paid as if it's a 63% chance. What's a 50, what's a 40% payout? Uh, oh, this should be 37. Uh, is getting a 37% payout. This is this is in theory. If they had perfect lines, perfect, 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 right? And then they'd capture the, the 10 bucks in between or the five bucks in between, between both bets. If they were perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, this is what people parrot. They want equal money on both sides. But that's only if the lines are perfect. Are the lines perfect at sportsbooks? No, they're not. They're not even close. Not even close to perfect, okay? Not even close to it all. Why is that the case? Why wouldn't lines? I'll, I'll ask the questions in the YouTube chat. Feel free to f- follow along. Ask your questions in the YouTube chat. Answer along. This is how I like to teach. Why can't the lines be perfect? I mean, they could. They technically could. Why can't the sports book in and of themselves? Why can't DraftKings? Why can't BetMGM? Why can't Caesars, Winbet, wherever, Bet365, where, wherever the hell it is? How would they get their lines to be perfect? Perfect. Obviously, a time machine would be perfect, perfect. But to get to the get to the point in which neither side would be a plus EV bet. Where it like if the actual odds were 60-40. They'd set the line at minus 150 and plus 150. And if they did it that way, then they'd break even, but no one could make money. It's a perfect equilibrium. It's completely balanced. That doesn't represent any of their profit, but they're, they're not able to get exploited. They've committed you know, to perfect, from a game theory perspective, equilibrium. That if they know on this certain whatever game, college basketball game, the favorite is a 60% chance, 40 and the 40 is a, a 40%, and the underdog is a 40% chance. Deepak says, adjust the odds after every single bet. No, that we'll get to that. We'll get that. We're not, we're not there yet. This is before any bet, before any bet is made. So a sports book comes out with a line and says, this is our line, minus 150, plus 150, right? Like just in, without a VIG or anything like that. What does that rely on? That relies on the sports book having analytical models, okay? That it requires the sports book to originate the best out of anyone in the market, okay? Now, in order to originate, originating is very tough, is absurdly tough, okay? So let's say you originated NFL lines, okay? So they, they have a model. Yeah, the sports books have a way to originate bets, right? A, a, a sharper sports book, right? As a way of originating. So they'll come up with, you know, on Sunday night, the NFL lines come out for the next day, right? They'll go, well, according to our models, our, our, tra- our, our staff, right? They have people that they employ, data scientists and every, everything like that to go, okay, like if we could get it perfect, this this is what the how could we not be exploited? Here's the line. Okay. What does that require? It requires having 
the best modeling and the best people, the sharpest people with the most information and the most knowledge to be on their staff. Okay. That's what it requires. Okay. No one else. So someone that's better at it. That's outside. That's outside of the sports book is going to have a slightly better, a slightly better model. So they need to employ the very best people, the very best people, the very best information, the very best effort, the ve- all the resources it takes to build the perfect line. Okay. And they have to do that. Most sports books, many sports books have to do that for every game in every sport in, and then not just the game. How about the totals? How about the first half totals, the second half totals? How about the, the alternate, they have to price the alternate lines, right? They have to price the, the player props. They have to price the, the, how many field goals are going to be hit type of inf- like all of the, their menu has thousands, tens of thousands. They have to pre- they, the the division one the, the 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 ACC preseason game, right? College basketball game. They have to price that perfectly, perfectly. They need to have that information and that resource and that the best modeler, the best staff, the best everything. So they need to have the best of everything in every sport in every. Stat category in any, in anything. Okay. How much does that cost? Okay. Imagine going around the world and saying, we're going to build the best line to open that we know for sure. We're going to have the most information, which means you're going to need all the college teams. You're probably going to have to employ someone that is like, like, like literally a college student there that could give them information on is uh is the is the center you know is he is he is he sport is he, does he have a limp in this in in English class, right? For injury news, right? You, who knows, right? But some of the college sports, the the lacrosse the lacrosse team, the the Bulgarian ping pong team, you know, like like we're talking about tons of sports and tons of everything. You would need to have all that information. Okay, in order to gain all of that information for the entire menu of vets would cost a ridiculous amount of money. Okay. The if you had if you spent all that money, you'd be able to make perfect lines so you can't get exploited by anyone. Because anyone that has that specific information would not be able to be able to exploit it. How much money are you taking in on Bulgarian ping pong? How much money are you taking in on college lacrosse? How much money? How much money? Hey, how much money are you taking in on a random hockey NHL? It could be any NHL. How much money are you taking in on 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 third period line alter, alternate lines, right? For 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 NHL for for anything. You're not it, the the market isn't that liquid. That is it worth spending? Tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, to have perfect models, to have perfect, you have to employ everyone, the best, the best people around the world, in order for you to post lines that are perfect, that are nearly perfect. And then once you spend that two hundred million dollars a year to do that, you're able to now take in bets and get a get a ten cent vig, 
How many bets would you need to take to need to write in order to profit in that scenario that you'd have to not only cover the $200 million in cost of your staff and your, your backend software and everything, and then also make a profit. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible. It's probably impossible. Okay. Well, that means that if you can't do that, that means you're not going to have perfect lines. There's going to be people out there that are better than you at pricing lines. Now, is there going to be someone out there that is good enough to price all of your lines? Let's say you're you're posting. I mean, go, go on FanDuel. You know how many bets you could place on FanDuel just today? Tens of thousands of bets, okay? We have all the props and the alternate lines and all, I mean, all the, all these games, futures bets, golf, European golf. I mean, it could be anything, NASCAR lines and who knows, but there's there's unlikely to be one person out there that like I could price everything. There isn't, but there's very likely to be people that could price certain things well. Okay. There could be there could be someone out there that really really knows and has inside sources to SEC basketball for the Kentucky you know whatever game right the Georgia Georgia Auburn basketball game or something like that that they know that very well right they don't know much else I mean they're not perfect anywhere else but when it comes to SEC basketball or when it comes to Division two uh, English football, right? Third division English English soccer. It's like, no, they're very tuned into that. So like the, the numbers for like the number of corners, right? Like let's say United Soccer League, right? Like the team that I follow, Louisville City FC, they're in, they're in the second tier of American football, American soccer. There are lines out there on like how many corner kicks are they going to be in the game? If you're re- if you're really studious on following the USL and the lineups and how the teams for uh, formations and everything like that, th- those lines are totally exploitable. They're not setting perfect lines. They're not setting perfect lines at all, right? They can't employ the people and the modeling to set up those lines. They want to offer those lines because they want my business. They want I'm going to be betting on USL corner kicks, but I'm also probably if I'm recreational. I'm going to be placing an NFL bet on Sunday also, right? I'm going to be placing bets on a lot of things, right? So they want to offer a very large menu. But there are people out there that specialize in very specific things. And it's onesies and twosies that do that. So there's one person out there that's great at USL corner kicks. There's one person that's great at Bulgarian ping pong. There's one person that really tied into Division Three soccer in, in Italy. There's a, a guy that's guy that knows uh, everything about the the Minnesota could have a, a staff person insider in the Minnesota Vikings only. Like they they they're friends literally with the one of the trainers. And every so often they get they get a get a nod that the market does not get that some someone's injured or someone that they think is injured that isn't injured. That's oh they're actually gonna play, and then. But two days before that news comes out, they've already they've already placed their bets on an inefficient line, right? There are tons of those people, 
tons of those people. Okay? Are you going to hire all those people to get your lines perfect? No. You can't. You can only get to a certain point. So what is that considered? That's that in in sports bet in any market. The sports books have what's called an adverse selection problem. Okay, adverse selection is based on uh information asymmetry. Where one person or one party has more information than the other party. Okay? And we'll get around because people are in the YouTube chat are talking about how the lines move based on the bets. So I'm, I'm getting there, right? This is the reason why that happens, okay? It all comes from adverse selection. So the, the books already knew that they, they can't make perfect lines, right? If they could make perfect lines, then the, the case of they want equal action and then they get the VIG and everything like that, 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 would, be, that would be correct. They can't set perfect lines. They can't. It's it's impossible. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be pro- profitable to. They'd have to they'd have to spend so much money to have perfect lines that they wouldn't they wouldn't make enough money, right? So what do they do? They set up the best lines that they can, right? And then they do one of two things to combat adverse selection. Okay, adverse selection means that, like, for instance, uh, if you knew if if you knew the SEC basketball or something well, and you saw that uh, that Georgia was plus eight, and you're like, no, they sh- they really should be only plus four. Like, you're gonna go and you're gonna bet plus eight, right? You're gonna go. I, I want to put down a thousand bucks on Georgia plus eight. Someone else. You know, Bulgarian ping pong or whatever. All these onesies and twosies parties are going out and you have to offer 10,000 options, but I don't have to take many of them. Look at look at what I do on prize picks. I tell I, I tell people all the time on prize picks, 99% of the things offered on prize picks are, are negative EV. 1% are plus EV, right? They have an adverse selection problem against me because I'm going to go and pick the ones that are plus EV. While more recreational people may, they're not, they're not, they're not picking by that, right? So pe- people that are pl- playing for entertainment purposes, right? They're going in and they go, oh, I think uh, Giannis is going to have more than 11 and a half rebounds. I think it's going to have like, you know, Drew Holiday is less than, than eight assists or something. You know, they're, they're going around making their little parlays, doing stuff like that. And me, I'm just going, okay. Out of these uh, thousand options, there's here's three plus EV ones, and here you are. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna choose those three. That's adverse selection, right? How do you combat adverse selection? There's two ways of doing it, and you see this with sports books. Uh, most do it in one way, and very few do it in another way. The easiest way to do it is what most retail sports books do is by limiting and if they could banning those 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 betters by they're going to they're going to post the best line that they can and then when they see that a certain person the person that knows everything about SEC basketball starts winning a bunch in SEC basketball they say nope we we're not going to change the line because we don't know and we don't know any better 
right? We 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 can put up a perfect line, but we notice that you beat those specific lines often enough that we're going to shut out your action. They'd love to outright ban you, but most of the time they limit you to the point in which you're not going to be, you're not, it's not going to be worth the bet anyway. $3 limit, right? I mean, whatever the limit is. They're not going to change the line. They're, they're not going to change the line. They're just going to start limiting people, right? Like, no, no, we don't want to have to do the work to, to actually move the lines. We're just going to put up those lines and get rid of the adverse selection by only taking bets from people that are not price sensitive or, or stupid, right? Or, or, or recreational people that are not beating, are not finding the plus EV spots where the line is off. They're betting, they're, they're betting, right? Imagine there was a line, but the, op, the, the, the true line, if it was perfect, was minus 150. And let's say the line was currently at something like minus 180 and plus 160, something like that. If the line, true line was minus 150, like I'd be hammering this plus 160 bet all the time, right? I mean, look, there's a 20 cent spread here. So, I mean, there is a VIG, but still, if I if I rate this out, if I model this out perfectly and it should be a 60-40 game, like I'm going to go and I'm going to pick off this plus 160, right? It should be plus 150, but I'm getting paid an extra, an extra 10 cents, right? So I'm going to go and I'm going to pick off the 160. But I mean, there are plenty of people that are going to come in and go, I think so-and-so is going to win minus 180, right? Right? They're making more money off of the bad line, right? If we said that the true line of this game was minus 150 and they got, let's say they got 10 bets at minus 180 and four bets or two bets at plus 160, they're making money if they're the same amount. I mean, just let's say a hundred bucks or whatever. The line is off, but they're making more money because they're, they found, they found 10 people to bet minus 180 when it should be minus 150. Even though there are two people out there that realize, and maybe by accident even, that plus 160 is, is a plus EV bet. So like minus 180 is heavily negative EV, but you got 10 people to bet on it. Plus 160 is plus EV, but you only got two people to bet on it. That this, they make more money in this scenario than getting the line perfect. <laughs> they, they, get, they make more money. If they set the line perfect at minus 150, they'd make less money if they, if they got equal action on both sides. They want you to come and bet the bad line. Right? If the true line, the true is minus 150. They don't know. The sportsman doesn't even know. They're just setting the line. They, we think this is fine. They make more money this way when the line is off. You know how they make even more money? By these two people that bet on plus 160? Getting rid of them. Right? Limiting them. Oh, these 10 people? Oh, you can, be, you can bet five grand on this. Right? Yeah, go ahead. These two people? Yeah, we've limited you to ten dollars. They make a lot more money this way. A lot more money this way. What are they doing? Like we describe in DFS when it comes to you know that nerdy tenors here, we talk about it with them all the time. Balanced versus exploitative. When people talk about oh the books are going to try to get equal action on both sides and take their little vig in between, that would be a balanced strategy. The only way to 
to have a balanced strategy is by knowing what the balance is. So the same thing that we say in DFS. What's what's the what's the efficient ownership of a player, for instance? This player is going to be thirty percent owned, but he should be thirty five percent owned. Well, if he should be thirty five and he's going to be only thirty, that means it's more beneficial for you to play him. So you'd actually play him at a higher frequency. That's exploiting the inefficiency. But in order to exploit the inefficiency, you have to know what the, the actual equilibrium number is. In DFS, it's nearly impossible to do. You can estimate it, right? You can judge it. So in order to have this balanced strategy of taking equal action, you have to have you have to know what the perfect number is. But with an exploitative strategy, you don't have to be perfect. If let's say, for instance, a guy uh, in uh, on a slate and DFS is going to be forty-two percent owned, I predict forty-two percent owned. He should only be owned at twenty percent, right? I don't know if it's twenty percent or eighteen percent or twenty-two percent or twenty-four point two percent or eighteen point six percent. All I know is that he's probably going to be forty-plus percent owned. And that's nowhere near where his efficient ownership should be. I'm going to be playing less of them. Do I have to know the exact number? No, it's far enough off that there's a wiggle room there. There's a wiggle room. It's not like the, oh, the guy's going to be 24% owned and I think he should only be 23.2% owned. Like the margin of error there is very small. So the edge there is very small. Sportsbooks are setting their lines with a big enough spread, a big enough hold between both numbers to account for that margin of error. So they're doing that. And because the lines could be off enough that, look, minus 180 plus 160 still is, they're not given that much room in between, even if the regular line, the true line is minus 150. I mean, they could go up to like minus 190 plus 165, right? You think you're going to start getting more bets on the plus 165 side. But what what do a lot of books do? When they see that someone is beating the closing line uh, when, when the line moves or is beating them too much in a certain market, how do they solve the adverse selection problem? They will just limit those betters. It's cheaper for them to do that. Yeah, we're not writing as many tickets, but we don't want their action. We want to write the action of the people that are betting minus 190 on what should be around minus 150. I don't know if it's minus 150 or minus 160, but it's definitely not minus 190, right? So if if we're taking in action at minus 190, then we know we're good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Plus 165 is is, is pl- maybe a little bit plus EV. If we see we're getting beaten there, we're just going to stop those people. Cheaper to do that. Very much cheaper. You just profile people and you say, oh, we, don't want your, we, don't, we don't want your money. We don't want your action. Here's $3 limit. There you go. Or maybe in certain markets or something, they do that. What's the other way of doing it? So we, we said, this is how one, this is how sports books solve the adverse selection problem. What's the other way of doing it? Okay. Let's say the true the, the true line that no one knows really is minus 150. Right? The sports book, let's say they set up, they open at minus 170, 170 plus 155. But they 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 have a bigger spread, especially in the beginning, early limits. Let's say the true line. Is minus one fifty plus one fifty. What's going to end up happening now when they open is that that let's say this Bulgarian ping pong, let's say it's college lacrosse, let's say it's whatever domain experts that are better at lining and pricing markets, maybe just this specific market, they're going to start seeing action come in here. They're going to start seeing here's a one bet, two bet, three bet, four bet. I bets coming in, right? They may see, you know, someone coming in over there. They may see another bet coming in, right? They may see, you know, when they open the line, they start seeing larger disparity of bets coming in on one side. So they go, uh-oh, these domain experts, the early action seems to be favoring this other side. There's the plus 155, right? So we're going to move the line so it's minus 170 plus 150, right? And then see, then they'll start seeing, it's like, okay, now they, they got six bets in here. They got, now they start seeing what the bets start coming in, right? Let's say they set it at minus 172 plus 152 or something like that. And they're like, okay, still there's still a little bit more proportion of bets coming in at, at plus 152, and then they start moving it more. They go, okay, I have a minus 167 plus 147, right? And now they start seeing, you know, like, okay, now seven bets here and four bets. Now they start seeing that the action is is starting to get, especially if they're profiling the people that are betting on each side. It's like, oh, oh, the guys that we have profiled for this market that know what they're doing, seemingly, that have already have gotten closing line value because they got a plus 155 in before we moved it to plus 147. And let's say it closed at plus 147. They do that consistently. We'll be like, okay, the people that bet on the, that bet on these markets probably are better than we are at line. The sports book saying that where they're better than we are. So instead of kicking them out, instead of saying, nope, we're going to leave it at minus 175 and plus 155. We're just going to leave it there, right? 
So we're just going to leave it there. And just if, if we find these 15 people, we just we limit. Bye-bye. No, we're going to use their information to move the line and go, okay, we're going to move it because we still want to take action. I mean, there, there are plenty of people that aren't sharp that are going to bet plus 155. We don't, we don't know, right? We just want to take money, money in. We have a big enough spread, high enough hold. We're going to make money regardless. But we want to make we want to make the line as sharp as possible. So I'm going to do it based on action, especially sharp act profiled action. If you're not profiled, if you just had someone recreational better that bets on random stuff, and you bet a hundred dollars on something, it's it's probably not going to do anything, right? The amount of money that it is. The books still have an adverse selection problem. Why? Because that, that that opening line is typically going to be inefficient. So even though they're getting information, they're, okay, these 15 people have bet on the plus 155 side. And let's say 12 of them, they've profiled as sharp in that market. You know, they, they seem to know what, they seem to be making money in that market. Okay. Are they, are you just going to allow those 12 out of 15 people to come in and bet $10,000 on plus 155? When it opens, the line comes out the night before, whatever the hell it is. No, you're going to limit them, but you're not going to limit them to $3 because if you limit them to $3, they're not going to bet with you, right? What can they do for $3? Then you're not going to see, you're not going to see the action. And if you're not, if you don't see the action, you can't move the line. So how do you get a sharp line? Remember the first scenario How do you get a perfect line? By employing and and dedicating the resources, spending $200 million a year to have the resources and staff to have the best people and everything to get the lines perfect. You know how you could get it cheaper? By taking the information from the the sharper players, the sharper betters, and moving the line based on it. So, But they don't want to give up $10,000. So maybe the opening limit only... Depending on the market, maybe it's only 1K. Like, yeah, okay. We, we, we will allow you to bet. We know that you're a domain expert, that you have bet, you're better than us. But we're only going to allow you to bet 1,000, right? And once those 12 people bet $1,000 or whatever, then the line starts moving, right? They've paid, they've paid a couple of grand to figure out that the line is off. Instead of... million staff, right? They figured it out. And as the line moves, they'll open up the limits more and more, right? Once, once it gets, once they see that, you know, okay, it seems like the people, the domain experts are no longer betting on one side. It's like, okay, well, what happens if we allow you to bet 5,000? And they see what the action comes in there. What, how about 10,000? And typically by the time, you know, NFL Sunday at, you know, five minutes before game time, you want to bet 50 grand? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go do it. And now the Sunday before, it's like you're, you're at a thousand bucks. Monday, you're at like $2,000. So they'll start raising the limits. So they start gaining information so they could shape the line properly. So that some rando person who's neither sharp nor anything can't accidentally exploit a line. Right, they get to the plus. Oh, I, I, I'm going to bet on the underdog anyway. It's like that—that's technically sharp action, but it's not a sharp person. They want to get to the line to the point in which they cannot be exploited. 
right? But if they see that if the true line is minus 150 and people are still betting it at minus 190, even with the sharp action coming in, they'll just go, okay, well, we'll limit you to $1,000. But these other people, like they make more money off of them if they could find people that are betting heavily negative EV. Even if some of the sharp people are making money off of them. They're pl- they're playing exploitatively. So if you go on on many, many retail books, there are lines that if you talk to them behind the scenes, they go, well, oh, yeah, we know, we know some of these lines are off. But fortunately, we the adverse selection in that market isn't strong enough for us to even change it. There's enough dumb people betting the betting betting the bad, the worst line. There's enough people betting the worst line that even the, the couple of people that are exploiting us, like we're not even going to move the market because we're making more money because like the, we're being told, right? We're being told that the price should be minus 150. So we'll allow the people to bet plus 155, right? Plus 150, go go make your $100 bets on a plus 155 and we'll leave it at minus 175 because we're getting tons of action at minus 175 anyway. So we'll just take the extra money. Right, we'll just take. We we know that's more likely to be closer to minus one fifty. Yet we're still writing one minus one seventy five tickets. That's why the line doesn't move. That's why you'll see it's like the line. Why didn't the line move? Well, there's enough dumb people betting. You'll you'll see that often in in, in like NFL markets with public what that's called public teams like Cowboys, Patriots, Giants. You'll just see it's like this this line this line is is a half a point off. But it's like, if you're trying to exploit that, you may not be able to get much money down, but they're making enough money off of the, the dumb people that it's better for them to not move the line, okay? And let me let me just highlight the third way that sportsbooks do this, okay? The third way is kind of like the second way, okay? Remember, the first way is just basically banning sharp, sharp bettors, saying, we don't, we're not even going to pay for your information. We're just going to we're just going to remove you. We're going to leave the bad lines up and just remove you. Does it, does it, as long as we market ourselves and get enough dumb people betting, we'll leave the lines the way they are. We don't even want there's not there's no cost in it, right? We don't even want to spend the money. We don't want to spend the resource, spend the money. We just put up whatever we got and just ban anyone that tries to take advantage of it. The second way is to use the information that comes in as cheaply as possible to then move the line so that they can make money and not be exploited. The third way is by copying lines. And that's what, that's what, that's what most do actually. Most do, most do a a mix between one and three and not number two, right? Number three is copying a line of a book that does number two. Okay. That's the, that's the brutal reality. Okay. If number one, number one is banning people. Number two is, shaping lines based on sharp action. Number three is shaping lines based on sharp action elsewhere. So for instance, there are offshore books that are known as market market makers that do number two, that set up small limits in the beginning and let, they don't ban anyone. They don't limit anyone. They limit maybe the market right there to, you know, 500,000 bucks. And they slowly get price discovery that way. Then at a certain point, right, Sunday Sunday night, the NFL lines for the next week come out, right, at an offshore book or, you know, like Circa, right? Circa would be one of these types of places. That That's 
That's in the U.S. It's only available, I think, in two or three states. Nevada and Colorado and maybe Maryland or something like that. They do it that they do it that way. So Sunday night that comes out, and then you, you'll see that like FanDuel, DraftKings, those places like they don't have a lineup at all yet. Monday morning they have a lineup. You know how they got to that line by copying the copying the line from the other place, right? The other place put up a line of Vikings, Vikings plus five and a half. Then by Monday morning, it's now Vikings plus four, right? So one and a half points have moved because sharp action has come in at low limits. So much on one side that they've had to move the line to not be exploited. And then retail sports books have looked at that line and said, well, since they're taking in sharp action, right? We're banning people, right? We don't even get that information, but... If they're both in that line, they're probably doing it because they're doing number two. They're sharp people have bet there, and we're just going to copy from them, right? And then next thing you know, DraftKings has Vikings plus four, right? And then they're like, okay, that's what it is, right? And then they'll look at the other book. If the other book makes it plus three and a half, eventually, right? A couple hours later, the next thing you know, it's plus three and a half on DraftKings or FanDuel or BetMGM or wherever. They don't, they don't, they're not actually doing any originating. They're not, they're not doing any market shaping they're not doing they're 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 doing profiling but only to ban people or limit people so they're getting the best of both worlds right they don't even have to pay the thousand dollar limit right the sharp action that comes in in the beginning they don't even give up that money right they're just going to copy from you guys right now that could be exploited and we, we can talk about that you know at a later time but this is how sports books work right Sportsbooks don't need equal action on both sides. If they're getting action that's so negative EV on one side that they might as well just leave it up that way. Even if they're, they leave themselves to be exploited on the other side, as long as they're not being exploited too much or they prevent people from exploiting them by, okay, yeah, we'll take, we'll take your, we'll take your plus 155 bet today. We'll take your, your, we'll take your five grand bet on plus 155 today. And then when you log on tomorrow, your limit's $27, right? After a while, we, we catch on, right? Instead of thinking in terms of, well, we'll take your action early and then shape our lines better. So that, invo- that involves software and that involves people doing that also. They don't even want to spend the money to do that. So they're just going to copy lines from somewhere else and then ban anyone that tries to exploit them, even though they know their lines are exploitable. And they hope that they, they, hope that they market enough to get they have, have the highest holds, right? So that margin of error is wider and wider. And they hope enough dumb people bet on, on lines that are bad. This is how sports books operate. This is, I mean, this is, this is, this is what it is, right? That's why I say beating, beating the, beating the books is easy. Dude, most of the line that, I mean, if, if you're domain, if you're a domain expert, or you're a good originator in any in any market, any decent decent market. I mean, you can beat the lines, no problem. You want to beat major league baseball strikeout props? That's not prop markets are even less liquid, right? They're even more inefficient. Of course, the limits are lower, but they have to. But these sports books have to put up a menu of of hundred thousand bets. They can't be an expert on all of that. 
but they're going to they're run into an adverse selection problem. So how do they solve the adverse selection problem? That's how, that's why the lines move. It has nothing to do with trying to get a perfect line. They just want to solve their adverse selection problem. That's it. We want to make it so that individual sharp people can't just come and pick, pick the best of 100,000 bets. We want people that, that they could randomly select anything and get their money in bag, right? And they have to balance that risk of the betters that do one versus the other. There, and there are betters that randomly select plus EV bets. That's why people get people get limited, even when they're not when they're not they're losing betters, right? They're not even they're not even good. They just happen they just happen to get closing line value a couple of times by accident, right? And they're like, oh, this guy's sharp in uh, in in Pac-10 basketball or something like that. Probably not. But they're so they're so focused on solving that adverse selection problem. That's what they do, and they hope to get business elsewhere from doing it. Daniel Hutchings says, "I always assumed that books would carefully track the kinds of bets that cost them money and just make those odds worse. That plus limiting players is a much cheaper way of handling plus EV betters." Yes. Defic asks, "How long does it take from the news to come out for lines to change? Typically, that that it depends on it depends on the book. A lot of times they just take the most of the time for those for those situations they just take the numbers down completely. They just take it off the board and they'll re-put them back up. Right? Let's say you have all these the the, the Bucks game. Right? You, you mentioned Giannis is out. Right? As an example, Giannis is out." Right, we just get word. Right, the word, news comes in. Du, 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 du. Giannis is out, which obviously will change the Bucks. If the Bucks were favored by eight, now they can only be favored by three. Right, obviously all the props are going to be off. Right, the total the total is going to go down a couple of points. Right, you know you know what the books do? They just press a button and take the whole game down. Or once they see the news, they just take the they just take the whole game down, adjust it on their end as best that they can do it and then repost all the lines at once. And then from that point, maybe they're up slightly. And then the same process happens. Some element of price discovery and limiting. So it's quite possible that the limit, let's say it's, you know, it's, it's three hours before game time and the limits like you could bet five grand on this game. You could bet 10 grand on bucks, you know, minus eight. Then Giannis is out. They take down all all the numbers. Five minutes later, they have new numbers up, but now the limit's only 1K. Right? Because it's like a new market again. It's like, ah, we think it's this. At least that's what the second second example would be. That's what a book like Circa would do. But a lot of times the number comes down and what, what ends up happening is the number you see is the first number that goes up from a book like Circa. They wait for them to do it and then they'll copy them. Or they put the numbers up and they see if people are beating them, they just limit them. So like it's some of these flags are just easy for people. I mean, they're just easy as hell. Like if you're able to get in bets, like Giannis is out and next thing you know, you're hammering a $5,000 bet or whatever your max is on bucks minus, you know, on, on the underdog, right? Plus eight bucks, whoever Pacers, what? I don't know, whatever, what other team it would be. You know, the line's going to go down four points or so. 
and you hammer them, you do that a couple of times, and next thing you know, you're on a retail book, your limit's going to be like like four bucks. Like that's easy to see. That's easy. They just get rid of you. On a book like Circa, they just won't take your five thousand dollar. They they won't take it. They'll they'll now profile you, and maybe they, they can get their lines up early, earlier than anyone else. And now they will will allow you to bet when it first opens at five hundred, and then you can make your five hundred old bet that's plus EV, and we'll take that information. Thank you for the information, and we'll move the line for the next person. So they're still going to allow you to. You could beat our lines. Go, go beat our lines. But our lines are going to move quicker and be more efficient than anyone else's by the end. And then everyone else starts copying our lines, right? And that it, it just ends up being like this, this cycle and circle. The other books just try to make as much money as they can by limiting sharp players and getting that information through other methods by copying another book that, that does take that information in. You'll see, you'll see when MLB starts, right? I'll, I'm going to be, I'm, you know, last MLB season, I prize picks an underdog. I was on heavily. I made a good amount of money through MLB and NFL last year. And you'll see 1 a.m. They'll put up, they'll, prize picks will put up their board at 1 a.m. with initial stuff, not everything, but they'll have strikeout props. They'll have some other, you know, some hitter props, you know, something that I'll compare to the bat. I'll see what's off enough to beat a minus 137. And if I find three or four things, I hammer them for what the most I can. And you know what ends up happening? Sometimes I can't even get it in. Right, sometimes I look look around. Oh, this this strikeout props off by a you know, one point two, one point three. I go, okay, here's here's an under. And I put that in, you know, a hundred dollar with you know another another prop that's off. Then I go to the next one, and it's already moved to half a strikeout in ten minutes. Within ten minutes of the board going up, it's already moved to half a strikeout. By the morning, there's no value. Now now it's at now it's at the the proper proper line. How did that move? It moved because PrizePix is doing that same thing. Oh wow, we're getting a lot of, of we're getting a lot of action on this thing under. So let's move it down, right? Before we get exploited too much, right? We can use that information to move our lines. The reason why PrizePix and Underdog aren't as strict when it comes to like limiting players and uh, and leaving leaving bad lines up a little bit slower is because the the number of negative ev squares that they have on prize picks is so ginormous that they make up all that money they're holding a lot of their their technical hold and a lot of the, a lot of for a lot of betters is like 20 plus percent 20 plus percent on most of these cards that you make that a rando would do so if they give, if they give, if they end up giving me, you know, five, seven percent edge every single day on up to like five hundred to a thousand dollars of action, if that helps them move the line, then sure they'll take it. But they make make, make so much more money off of the, the twenty plus percent hold they get from ninety five percent of their user base. I 
That's how they do it. This is this is this is how sports books operate. So it's not. Oh, they don't move because of people. No, no, they they don't want equal action. They make more money without equal action. Okay, they make more money. They exploit the bad betters more than sharp betters can exploit them. That's the reason why the lines aren't even. But the ones that do it the best keep large spreads so that their margin of error on that is as little as possible, right? Minus 150 plus 150. If they offered like five cent lines, like their margin of error would be this this small. If their line is off, then they're going to be battered and they're not going to make enough money on the other side. But if they have a 40, 40 cent spread, if one side is that is off, it's only going to be off by a very small margin. The other And the other side is going to be dram- a dramatic hold, right? One side is going to have like a 2% edge, and the other side is going to have like a 24% edge to the sports book. So it's like, fine, take my 2% edge. We get enough people that are betting negative 24% on the other side that we, we, we couldn't care less. You can learn a lot more about this. Uh, Ed Miller wrote the book Logic of Sports Betting. To me, I think like it's probably the best book if you want to learn the basics of how sports books operate, how sports markets operate. It's written very well. It's not like absurdly detailed, and it's not it's not written uh, for for people like to, a lot of math and stuff that you're not going to understand. So as an overview of how sports betting markets actually work, go get The Logic of Sports Betting by Ed Miller. You read that, and that's that's the way it works. Welcome welcome to sports betting. But then once you understand how sports betting markets work, it's very similar to DFS, right? We talk about here all the time. That DFS isn't a game about who who can predict what's going to happen in a sports game later. It's about building lineups that are plus expected a positive expected value versus the probability, the equity that you have in the contest versus other people. Very similar to sports betting. So once you understand how the markets work, it's quite it's it's possible for you to bet on sports without knowing anything about a sport at all by just understanding how how markets react and work. Or I could you could not even originate. You could just go, I'm going to be a top down better. I'm just going to have my money on 17 different books and find all the arbitrage opportunities. Find the books that are too slow to move. Right? Find middle opportunities where you could win both sides of a bet. Right? You could do that. There's plenty of opportunities out there. So you know what the hardest part is? Getting the money down. Right? Being able to do all that without, while books still take your action. That's the hard part. That, that, I would say 95% of the work is that. That's why sports betting, like for large sums of money, that's what most of what your work is going to be. For small sums of money, probably don't have to do that. So like if you you, you want to have a nice vacation, a nice family vacation, make enough money on sports betting for a family vacation, like if you want to make 10K in a year, I mean, to me, that's, if you're properly bankrolled, right? It's it. 
I don't, it should be inevitable that you could do that. Like, it's not hard. It's not, I mean, you could do that top down. You don't even have to originate anything. You want to make 30 to 50,000? That's doable, but some, you'd have to shop around a little bit more. But once you start talking about six, seven figure, eight figure, now you now you're starting about now now you have to kind of build yourself a syndicate. You gotta got you gotta start getting accounts. You gotta it, to put it down that much amount of money. So for like beer money, for vacation money, for a little side income type of thing, side hobby income, totally doable. Absolutely and unequivocally totally doable. Beating the numbers is not hard. You originate some, you top down, you know, you, you arbitrage some others. It's, not, it's really it's really not difficult once you understand how the lines are made and these are how the lines are made because you're gonna have to know how how did the sports book operate before how do you how do you exploit the market because really you're exploiting the dumb people that bet on on minus 175 when it should be minus 150 when they're giving up you know 25 cents for no reason but they're dumb and they, they, they think the bulls are gonna win today or whatever whatever the whatever the sports take is. That's who you're making the money off of. And the, 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 the sports books don't mind that as long as they're making enough money off of the dumb people. So that's what you're looking for. Okay. If you got any questions about this subject, right? Anything, you know, sports betting related, you could you could always ask me. Uh, email questions at theoryofdfs.com or any DFS strategy questions. Remember, starting on Monday, we'll be doing an MLB primer, MLB DFS. We're coming up soon. Well, we got two, two, two weeks and two days. We got what, 16 days till opening day. So next Monday, we'll start the MLB primer and we'll be doing that all of next week and leading up to opening day, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the following week. So get those. If you have anything specific about MLB, of course, you could send in any question you want about anything DFS related or sports betting related or prop picking related or anything. But specifically, I just want to make sure I'm getting, I'm getting the most uh wanted MLB questions first right before MLB starts so I don't we don't have to backtrack you know once the season starts okay so email those in questions at theoryofdfs.com hit that thumbs up button hit the thummy thumbs hit them up hit the like button the subscribe button hey if you want betting stuff go over to scores and odds go to go to the scores and odds YouTube channel subscribe there as well uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. Probably talking a little bit more about uh, maybe maybe a little bit more about this. I don't know. We'll see what questions come in. So send in your questions. Hit the thumbs up button. I told you, I, I've given you everything that you need to know. Everything that you need to do. So I'll see you tomorrow. Because I'm here. I'm here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.